Heavenly Father, thank you for your presence, for your guidance, and uh, for the certitude that we can have uh, uh, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Be with all of us and help us to understand uh, your will, give us your wisdom, and may your will be done in everything. And may we always glorify Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. So, the title was a difficult title for me. I received the title. It's not my choice. But you understand when you say comfort zone, uh, so I forgot to say the, the beginning. The title is In the Shadow of the Lamb. Uh, when you talk about uh, comfort zone, you think immediately about the comforter. And uh, when I look around myself, I see that our world is going crazy. It is not only in Yugoslavia or France. Uh, actually, they are not doing well, or Great Britain, or so many other countries. But in general, Financially, almost everybody is in trouble. And I am not uh, spending too much time here, but only to remind you that politically, our world is in trouble. Uh, there are so many people um, challenging the authority of the governments. Um, communism died. I was a witness of this period of history, and I was surprised. For me, it was sure that communism will stay for centuries, like uh, Roman Empire. I was almost sure that something solid is behind. But in 1989, 1989 uh, we saw that it was not so. And uh, at the same time, we understand the limit of the political system that we have here, the best political system. They are in trouble. When you read the books about ethics, not only Christian ethics, you will understand, and I quote someone who is the best specialist of ethics in, uh, in Europe, the president of the, the Association of a specialist in ethics for the European Union, he says, we don't have references. We don't know what is good and what is not. If they don't know, <laughs> those who have to decide about the future, those who have to create um, something good for, uh, for everybody, then we understand that they are in trouble and we are also in trouble. Employment perspective, you know even better than myself, it is hard to find job. Uh, ecological challenges, things are going worse and I don't need to spend too much time. Pollution, you can find uh, um, so many examples everywhere that our world is going crazy, earthquakes, I will have the privilege the next, next week to be in Haiti. I was already there just after the, the earthquake. 
And this is my picture. I did uh, this picture myself. And I can tell you that it was really chaotic. Every night we had strong, huge earthquakes. And when you think about everything happening uh, in, uh, in our world, it's incredible. Nuclear tragedies. Probably we are at the beginning of these tragedies. But when you look all these elements, and this is only some of them, you have a question. Is there any comfort zone? When you um, listen to the presentations, sometimes from the book of Revelation, you will understand that the future is not extraordinary, uh, how to say, it's not so nice. We are talking about difficult times, persecutions. We are talking uh, about uh, seven plagues. And we don't know what is the future. A big question mark. Is there any comfort zone? And I have another question. Are we looking for the comfort zone? Is it necessary? Is it the main goal? I like uh, a quotation of someone who wrote, uh, uh, he's a composer, and who wrote an excellent uh, piece of music of about one hour and, I don't know, 15 minutes, and the title of this piece of music is The Book of Revelation. Very interesting. Um, and he says, he is not a Seventh-day Adventist, the Book of Revelation is obviously the battle between two cities, the city of good and the city of evil, with God sitting on the throne and watching over, having always the situation under the control. This is why one can see the quietness of the saints even in the middle of atrocious plagues. And I'm so glad to see that this guy didn't spend 10 years doing theology. He is a composer. <laughs> but he understood well the message of the book of Revelation. God is always in control. And this is why we have the quietness of the saints. But we are not looking specifically to be in peace. We have the vision. Our vision is heaven. And you know, Revelation chapter 21, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, no crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. This is our vision. But we are not looking to be comfortable here. This is not the main goal. If you know Viktor Frankl, someone knows Viktor Frankl from um, Austria. Um, he, had, he was an excellent psychologist, uh, spent uh, several years in Auschwitz, and was just in the opposite of Freud. The idea of Freud was that if you want to understand yourself, thank you so much, if you want to understand yourself, you need to analyze your childhood, your past, 
And from this analysis, you will see who you are and you will deal better in the future. Viktor Frankl said it is not necessary. If you're only looking at your past, there is no hope. And uh, from his experience in Auschwitz, he said, during Auschwitz, I never look at my past. When I was in a big trouble, I already thought about my meeting with my mother, father, brothers, sisters, um, and so on. Which means for him, he said, therefore, our solution is in the future. When we have a right vision of our life, then we can deal with the difficulties of the present time. And uh, this is what I like with him. He says, what is necessary for humans today, it is not the state without tension. So I'm not preaching comfort zone. You know, when you say comfort zone, uh, everything is perfect, everything is well. No, what is necessary for humans today, it is not the state without tension, but the battle to accomplish the highest goal. This is not to eliminate the stressful situation at any price, but more to find a potential meaning, very obvious, without regard to the difficulty of the task to achieve it. So for us, when we say comfort zone, it's not laziness. <laughs> it's not God will do everything and we will just wait. When we talk about the comfort zone, is to understand the vision of God himself for the last day events. And when we embrace this vision, then we say that probably we will go through stressful situations, but we don't worry about stressful situations, because the stressful situation is not what we want to avoid. We want to accomplish the right goal, the goal of God himself. So as I said at the beginning, um, the book of Revelation is all about Jesus. Jesus is at the beginning, in the middle, at the end, everywhere. But do you know that someone is behind? And probably we don't speak enough about the Holy Spirit in the book of Revelation. I decided to choose only 12 verses because we have more than 20 references of the Holy Spirit, explicit references. You have some others, probably I would say more than 50 general references of the Holy Spirit in the book of Revelation with symbols, illustrations, and um, then you can understand that behind there is a story about the Holy Spirit. But you have a little bit more than 20 references of the Holy Spirit in the book of Revelation, which is important because we have, um, we have uh, 22 chapters. At least every chapter you have, on average basis, you have one reference to the Holy Spirit. And this is why I decided to spend with you two, two aspects, to see two aspects. First, the Holy Spirit in the book of Revelation, and something about the chapter 18. 
Um, those who study the book, as I said, they will see the important place of Jesus, but look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 4 and 5. John to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. I put a title for this aspect of the presence of the Holy Spirit in the book of Revelation. I said, the fullness of spirit as the source of grace and peace. I think that um, the Apostle John, I don't want to provoke the ideas or to put an, an hierarchy between the Apostles. But do you know how the Apostle Paul will write his own epistles? Every time at the beginning, you have greetings. Every time. This is the rule. In the ancient time, they did so. The Apostle Paul says, in general, he mentions God the Father and Jesus Christ, always. But the Apostle Paul is more spirit-focused, the, the, the Apostle John is more spirit-focused than the Apostle Paul. Go through all his epistles and you will see the love of God, the grace of Jesus Christ, and that's it. He will explain after the importance of the Holy Spirit. But greeting the readers, it is never with the Holy Spirit. Just go through all the chapters or all the, uh, the books and you will see. But here you have grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. God himself, God the Father. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne, the Holy Spirit. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Why it is important to mention at the beginning um, the presence of the Holy Spirit. First, the Holy Spirit is presented in its fullness, number seven. Um, do you know, I, I think that I have on the next slide, do you know uh, the inspiration uh, of John the, 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 the Revelator about the, the seven spirits. It comes from the Old Testament. And the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verse 2. Because you have there, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. So, um, nobody thinks that we will have seven spirits because we know only one spirit, Holy Spirit. And even in other verses of the Bible, you have the same explanation. But the reality is that the fullness of the spirit is at the source of the book of Revelation. The spirit of wisdom, 
the spirit of understanding, counsel, minds, knowledge, and fear of the Lord. And I will share with you some ideas about these seven aspects for my last uh, fourth presentation. So the beginning of the book is about the fullness of the spirit. And the conclusion of the book, you know already, is, and the spirit and bride say, tell, come. So the beginning and the, the end of the book are to underline the importance of the Holy Spirit. The second verse is Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice of as of a trumpet. Do you know what was the first vision in the book of Revelation? It was about what? About whom? The first vision of the book of Revelation, chapter 1. Jesus. And the wonderful revelation, it was not Jesus crucified. It was not... Uh, Jesus, uh, baby Jesus. <laughs> it was Jesus glorified. Extraordinary Jesus for me. And um, in order to have this vision, it was necessary for John to be first in spirit. Do you understand the importance? So um, I think that I have here, I remember someone who said, I think that it is the next slide, he was in the spirit. He was not only in a rapture when he received the vision, but before he received it. He was in a serious, heavenly, spiritual frame under the blessed, gracious influence of the Spirit of God. God usually prepares the souls of his people for uncommon manifestation of himself by the quickening, sanctifying influence of his spirit. Those who would enjoy communion with God on the Lord's day must learn how to abstract their thoughts and affections from flesh and fleshly things and be wholly taken up with things of a spiritual nature. Just a reminder. Uh, did you have the opportunity to read the uh, early writings about the, the, the book, the first book of, of Ellen White? She exp explained how she felt during the first visions. And it was always interesting for me to see how she was taken outside of herself and was guided and saw so many different things. But you can always see progression. It is not immediately the most important message. The spirit little by little, is introducing her to see the mystery of God. So, I understand when, he, when I say he was not only in a rapture. I, I uh, quote a text from one of the excellent authors from, uh, from France. He said, in fact, the true rapture is not in a certain point of history. The true rapture is when I am guided every day by the Spirit. And the true rapture is that I am not living according to the flesh, 
but I'm living according to the Spirit. I'm not myself according to as I was born. I'm born again. So it is moving from one experience to another one. I'm not interested with this world without the vision of the Holy Spirit. I look at this world through the eyes of the Holy Spirit because I am a child of God. I live according to the Spirit. So when you, when you talk about seeing Jesus, you need to know that the Apostle John was first in the Spirit in order to see Jesus, to have the vision of Jesus himself. The second presentation and the third one will help me to underline the close relationship between Jesus and the Holy Spirit. So, the Holy Spirit has a Christ-centered message. I was in the Spirit and I saw Jesus Christ. The Apostle John found important to communicate the details about the time frame of his vision. He said, the Lord's Day. Two options, of course, Sabbath or Jesus coming. Some will tell you Sunday because they don't understand. They don't read all the scripture. As Luther said, sola scriptura, scriptura tuta, which means scriptures only, but all the scriptures, <laughs> not only what I like. <laughs> Not only what is pleasing to me. But when you look well, the Apostle John said, he could say, I was in his spirit and heard behind me a great voice. But for him it was important to say that it was on the Lord's day. Which means that even the time was excellent because it was the time of the Lord's day to, how to say, to see Jesus himself. The third aspect is Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. It is the beginning of seven, seven letters to um, seven churches. And always you have the same idea. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. The Holy Spirit has a sevenfold message. And if you know that we, we have at the beginning of the, of the book, seven spirits with seven messages, which means the fullness of spirit, giving a message to the fullness of church of God from Jesus Christ till his event, then you understand that it is important that those who let him, or he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Even in God's church, there are so many people that they have difficulty to hear. Um, the most difficult aspect of the Old Testament is that the main commandment is hear Israel, Shema Israel. And you have almost all prophets are there to say, please 
listen to God's word and they forget to listen. Do you know the story of Shlomo, Salmon, the King Salmon, when um, he had a dream, or I don't know if it was a dream, probably a vision, a presence of God himself, and God said to him, choose whatever you want. The people today, they would like to have this. They would say Ferrari or what, I don't know. We, we like to choose. And God said to him, choose whatever you want. Um, and he said something very interesting. I would like to have, the, what, what was the, the answer? Wisdom. But uh, the text from the Bible, we say wisdom, but in the, in the Bible is a heart of wisdom, the heart of wisdom. But when you think about the original text, the translation of wisdom, what we translate, is not a um, noun, it's not even a normal verb, it's a participle. Which means, uh, literally speaking, Shlomo said, please Lord give me a hearing heart. This is the wisdom in the Old Testament, to hear. <laughs> if you are not ready to hear, then you are in a big trouble. God cannot communicate with you. So the Apostle John was in the spirit, in the fullness of the spirit, because we have the presentation of the fullness of spirit at the beginning. And now he said to his readers, if someone among you is ready to hear, then God can communicate to him. If not, it's not possible. The true wisdom is the wisdom of those who are ready to listen to God. The problem is when we are so well with ourselves and we don't need something from uh, something external. The Next text, Revelation chapter 3, verse 1. And unto the angel of the church in Sardis write, These things says he that has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your works, that you has a name, that you lives and are dead. God himself has seven spirits. And Jesus in his hand has seven stars. Could you please help me? What is the meaning of seven stars? This is the first vision, just before the seven letters, sorry. Seven stars, if you want, we can read it together. It's very easy to, to find the explanation in chapter one. The end of chapter one will explain um, the seven, seven stars are the angel of the seven churches and the seven lampstands which you, you saw are the seven churches. It means, for me, okay, good, 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 good. It's perfect, so I can do. Yeah, good, 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 good. Thank you. Which means that if we say the seven stars are the angel of the seven churches, it's something 
of the seven churches, explaining to us that the seven angels belong to seven churches. Which means, we can explain very easily, I'm not alone, Ellen White explained, and so many other people, even outside of the Seventh-day Adventist church, they are the leaders, leaders of seven churches. The leadership of the church is so important. And uh, you, you understand what is the presentation of Jesus himself. He said, my business card, who I am. And he says, my business card is, this thing says he that has seven spirits. My business card. You, do you want me to present myself to you? I have seven spirits of God. It's very interesting. So, which means Jesus Christ said, I would like to send a message to the church and particularly to the leaders of the church. And I present myself as having the fullness of the spirit. It is always the spirit focusing on Jesus and Jesus focusing on the spirit. Even Jesus said, it's better for you that I leave because you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit can do nothing else than to show, to focus, to help people to understand the importance of God himself. So, the Spirit the, is the source of life and the church of Sardis doesn't understand its death. And to the angel of the church he said, right, this thing says he that has seven spirits of God and the seven stars. So Jesus is the source of life and they don't understand that they are dead. This is the message in itself. Um, to understand our own nature is only possible through the action of the Holy Spirit. When Jesus described the church, he tries to help us to see our nature. The, 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 last, the last idea, uh, Revelation chapter 3, the last idea among seven churches is, is specifically about this story. The Holy Spirit is the only remedy for our blindness. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, because you say, I am rich, have become wealthy, and have need of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you, I don't have time to, for, to read everything, to anoint your eyes with eye salve that you may see. The reality is that without the Holy Spirit, we are blind. The message of this weekend empowered is you have two options, two choices, to be empowered or to stay blind, <laughs> whatever you want. <laughs> this is the reality. Without the eye cell, you can see nothing. Without the Holy Spirit, you're blind. And if you want to be a leader without the Holy Spirit, I, I pray for your church or for your group or for whatever you do. Because when a blind lead another blind, then you see what is the final result. 
So the Holy Spirit is the only remedy for our blindness. The, this is the text of um, Ellen White. And she says, a great crisis is coming upon us. If men still yield to men, as they have been doing for the last 15 years, they will lose their own souls and their example will lead others astray. God's soldiers must put on the whole armor of God. We are not required to put on human armor, but to gird ourselves with God's strength. If we keep God's glory ever in view, our eyes will be anointed with a heavenly eye salve. We will be able to look deeper and see afar of what the world is. And I like these aspects. And I would like to tell you, if you are listening only and what uh, Doug Bachelor thinks, or what uh, the president of the conference thinks, or what the pastor or elder or what whoever thinks, then you are not on the solid ground. It is good to listen to Doug Bachelor. I am not against him. But he will guide you to continue to make analysis by yourself. You need to verify. You need to keep God's glory ever in view. Our focus is God's glory. We are focused on Jesus Christ. Then we can be anointed with the heavenly eye salve. If not, we are blind. Copying others is never good. Especially if you don't understand what others are doing. I remember a true story because uh, Jewish oral tradition is almost never ending. They have, they add all the time their tradition. And I read recently their recent oral tradition made by the best rabbis. And one of them said that um, the story was from Russia, um, probably, I don't know, I would say 30, 40 years ago. And um, the idea is that it is really important not to copy others, especially if you don't understand what they are doing. In a small village of Russia, a Jewish family lived alone. All others were communists. So they had no knowledge of Jewish traditions. At the end, after several years, they said, we feel that we, are, that we, we need to learn something about ourselves. This is our culture, our tradition. We decided to move to another Jewish village. And they came there. The problem was that everybody in a Jewish village, they knew all traditions except themselves. And they were so ashamed to recognize that they know nothing. And you know how it is when you come to a community, they ask you, uh, uh, how was, I don't know, your Sukkot? Sukkot, what is Sukkot? <laughs> they don't know. It is the festival of tents, you know, um, during, uh, uh, during the month of September, the ninth month of their 
the seventh month of their calendar or the ninth month of our calendar. And, but you, need, you, you always need a strategy. And they found a strategy. Someone is asking them, are you ready for Sukkot? They say, yes. They were not ready, but nobody asked questions <laughs> after. So they continue to say, as they knew everything. And one day, someone started to ask them about Pesach, which means Easter, the, the most important festival of Jewish tradition. Are you ready for Pesach? Because you need to be prepared. You need to, to clean the house. To You know how it is. Uh, not to be too long. And they said yes, yes. And they saw that everybody was doing hard to prepare themselves for, for Pesach. And um, so the husband said to, to his wife, you know our strategy, because we don't know what the Pesach means. The evening of Pesach, I will send you to the neighbor's house. And through the window, you will look what they are doing, and then you will tell us, and we will do exactly what they are doing. Okay, this is not a bad <laughs> story, because they were ashamed to say, we don't know. So the evening of the Pesach, the lady visited, and uh, it was night, uh, and she looked at the window, and she saw that the husband, husband was beating his wife. He said, this is Pesach. She looks again, and the <laughs> husband is still beating his wife. And she comes again five minutes after, and she sees that this husband is very aggressive. He is still beating his wife. She comes back to home, to her home, and decided to say nothing. <laughs> <laughs> because <laughs> it was hard for, for her to say something. And then then um, husband was curious. He wanted to know how to celebrate the Pesach. He said, please, could you explain to us? We are ready to follow exactly what our neighbors are doing. And she, <laughs> it was a, a deep silence. And Again and again and again, after 15 minutes, uh, the husband said, I will start to lose my patience. Please tell us how to celebrate Pesach. And she was still quiet without answering. And then he became aggressive himself. At the end, he said, if you don't tell me how to celebrate the Pesach, I will beat you. And her answer was, if you knew how to celebrate Pesach, why did you send me there to see in the neighbor's house? <laughs> Which means morality, conclusion of the story. Rabbi explained, never imitate, copy others without understanding what you are doing. If you are only imitate others, the final result will not be good for you. And this is the story here. We need to keep God's glory ever in view. And our eyes then will be anointed with the heavenly eye self. As a pastor, I have no problem to teach others. 
but I am always helping them to see Jesus. If not, my teaching is wrong. <laughs> I am not focusing on the president of the Canadian Union or whatever <laughs> the person is. I am focusing on Jesus. And then they can understand what the word is. As we discern, it's dishonesty of the world, it's craftiness, it's selfish eye service, it's pretense and it's boasting, it's want of fair, honest dealing in the ordinary intercourse of life, and it's grasping covetousness. We can take our stand by precept and example to represent Christ and convert souls from the world by our sound principles, our firm integrity, our hatred of all dissembling, and our holy boldness in acknowledging Christ. As we discern the situation of the world, we can take our stand and represent Christ. I would like to say, we, I read a, an excellent book, Here We Stand, or something like this. I'm standing here in front of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only reference. Of course, God himself, the Holy Spirit. And this is our stand. This is our position. This is the only position. Our stand has to be to represent Christ only. The sixth aspect, wow. We cannot understand God's glory without the omnipresence of the Holy Spirit. And out of the throne proceeded lightnings and thundering and voices. And there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. I'm almost, um, how to say, uh, in a hurry not to... Uh, I will be late, I see already, because I talk too much, but the, the, reality, <laughs> the reality is... I have a question. Do you know the story of the ten virgins? Tell me, what is the lamp? Don't look here. <laughs> what is the lamp? The word of Sorry? The word of and where is the Holy Spirit? When you come to the church, in general, and you have the presentation of the parable of ten virgins, people say lambs, Holy Spirit. This is usually what you hear. But in fact, it is not the case. I am, I am not willing to use all details in itself because we need uh, mainly the global picture of the parable which is be ready. This is for sure. But as Ellen White used this text to give all details, I can allow myself to follow what are her explanation. And her explanation is very clear. All had taken their lamps, the Bible, as you said rightly, the Bible, and by its light had gone forth to meet the bridle. But while they that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them, the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps, and only to 
Continue. The later class had received the grace of God, the regenerating, enlightening power of the Holy Spirit, which renders his word a lamp to the feet and a light to the path. Which means, for me, I am going very quickly. The Holy Spirit cannot work without the word of God. Cannot. The Holy Spirit will never work to impress, to excite someone. Not, and not to explain the word of God at the same time. It's never so. So many times you can find people even among Seventh-day Adventists sometimes. They're listening to you. They know that it is in the word of God. That they say, the spirit didn't impress me to think so. I said to them, but this is the word of God. If you have a better explanation, please come or verify, verify the Old Testament, the New Testament, the spirit of prophecy. But for them, they need to be impressed by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has only one goal, one main focus. Jesus Christ and his word. And the Holy Spirit will never work alone outside of the God's word. Which means that the light that we have is the light when uh, the Holy Spirit is working to present the clarity of God's word. This is what we understand when we talk about the, the, the light. So I will try to continue. Jesus is working very closely with the Holy Spirit. This is the chapter 5 you have. Then you have chapter 11, verse uh, uh, 11, chapter 14, verse 13. Um, I would like only to focus for a little while about the Revelation chapter 14, three angels' messages. At the beginning of three angel messages, you have an angel with the first message, fear God and give him glory. Don't forget this idea of glory of God. And you finish the three angel messages with the Holy Spirit. The only person speaking during three angel messages is the Holy Spirit, not Jesus, not the not the, the, the God the Father, but only the Holy Spirit. Yes, says the Spirit. If you start with the glory of God and you finish with the message coming from the Holy Spirit, you need to know that it is almost the same concept, the same um, context as the chapter of chapter 18 of the book of Revelation. This is what we are studying uh, today. Revelation chapter 1 will talk about the glory and we'll talk about the Holy Spirit and we talk about the last message for the world. And I would say 
There is no new message. I will say it again and again. We don't have a new message. We have the same Holy Spirit, the same Word of God, the same Jesus Christ, and the same three angels' messages. And the chapter 18 is only repeating the same message in a, with clarity and with a tremendous power, but it's still the same message for all of us. So probably I will finish here and sorry for my time that I took. If you have some questions, don't hesitate. I will probably continue right after to finish some other elements of this text and then we will continue with the next aspect we will try to see the structure of the book of revelation and to see also uh, the structure of the chapters 17 to 20. do you have some questions this one If you want my presentations, I can give you all of them for, and then you, you don't need to copy all the texts. But it is, as you can see, to present the Holy Spirit in the book of Revelation, it's not only some allusions, some uh, difficult aspects of interpretation. You have the Holy Spirit everywhere. The problem is only for my understanding that starting with chapter 5 until the chapter 11, which means starting with the worship, chapter 4 and 5, and uh, chapter 11 that you have, um, you know, the introduction of the judgment and the vision of the sanctuary, heavenly sanctuary, you don't have the mention of the Holy Spirit. Everywhere you will find it but not from chapter 5 to chapter 11, the first question. Uh, yeah, I have a question about the Spirit in chapter 1, also 4, about uh, seven uh, spirit. spirits. Why do you think that seven is the Or why also do you think that that is... We have already hard time to accept the, the word the Trinity I don't know if we have seven spirits and uh, Jesus and the Holy Father, it would be, I don't know, 70? <laughs> no, <laughs> you understand my point. Seven in the mind of a Jew has specific meaning. It's never seven in itself. It's not even the importance of seven, it is more the global message given by. And you can see it in the Old Testament everywhere. And you can see also in the book of uh, Revelation because someone who wrote it was a Jew with all background. So for me, I think that when you read, for example, chapter, chapter 18, we will talk about this. You start the chapter and you have so many references of the Old Testament. For example, um, the references about the judgment, the references about um, uh, Sodoma, Sodom and Gomorrah, 
the references uh, about um, uh, the Holy Spirit and so on. So he is almost using the text of the Old Testament to express himself and to talk about last day events. So this is why he said seven spirits, which means that it is a reference to Isaiah chapter 11 when you have the spirit of God and then a spirit of wisdom, spirit of understanding and everything. Which means the, the, probably this is the reason why Jesus said it is better for you that I leave. Because Jesus was physically present and he was the living word of God. But he knew that we need all these aspects, every one of us. And I'm so glad that uh, we have all these aspects. So I don't know if I answered a little bit to your question or if you have some other details. This is the only way that we can understand seven spirits because when you say when you say seven angels of the seven churches, if you read only literally, as some people read, which means you read only for Laodicea in, uh, yeah, you read only for Ephesus only for, then there is no importance for us. So you understand that be, behind the story of seven specific churches, you have the fullness of God's people and the message to them. This is how we can say that behind the story of seven spirits, we have the fullness of the presence of the spirit in all his aspects. Because he was not the first one. Then we would, we would discuss in details what was the meaning of seven spirits we would say probably as you have four living beings around the throne of god and we say we don't know but right now as we have already the reference of the book of prophet isaiah then we can understand that there is a fullness of the spirit I know someone in France who did, uh, I can give you the references about uh, the testimony of Jesus in the book of Revelation. And he mentioned some aspect, but I don't see someone doing specifically what you said. So we have so many young people here. In your research, uh, you will spend a nice time uh, three, four, five, seven years or ten years of studies if you choose theology and especially biblical classes, uh, I don't know, Old Testament, New Testament, this is a perfect idea. But I cannot tell you more. I, I see 
that it is important, but reality is there. Reality is there. John could said, I was in spirit and I saw Jesus. But he said, I was in spirit on the Lord's day. <laughs> For him it was important. So you have seven spirits, if, if you want. This is how John presented the Holy Spirit in the book of uh, uh, Revelation. And then he said, I was raptured by the Spirit. <laughs> and I like this uh, idea. Because when I talk, talk with um, evangelicals who like the rapture, I'm telling them, if today there is no rapture of the Holy Spirit in your life, then you are <laughs> completely wrong. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www dot audioverse dot org.